Well, we're going through this series in the Psalms, and uh, I've taken the liberty to choose what I think is my favourite psalm. So, we're going to read Psalm 34. So, I haven't given any verses in advance at all, um, Helen, but if you can manage to put some of these up, that'd be great when, we, when I go through them. So, Psalm 34. I'm going to focus, obviously, on, it's a full psalm, so I'm going to focus on certain of the scriptures, uh, uh, verses, but um, we'll read it all. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him, and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him, and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, there is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile, depart from evil, and do good, seek peace, and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. just reminded me of Jack Firth who told me, I remember him telling me this of story of a, a, ch- a child who came home from Sunday school and uh, his mother asked him what he'd learned at Sunday school and he said well we've learned about the six pieces of suet and she said what? Six pieces of suet? And so went next time she talked to the Sunday school teacher said, what's this about six pieces of suet? He said, oh, it's all right. We were looking at the verse that said, seek peace and pursue it. All right. So that's Jack first. It just came to mind while I was reading it. That's all. Funny what you re- comes to mind when you're reading God's word, isn't it? Right. Okay. This was written by King David. Um, he was facing one of his most dangerous situations. If you read at the top of the psalm, I'd 
presume it's on in most of the Psalms this at the top of sorry, in most of the Bibles, the Psalm the top of the heading that says a Psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. So th- this relates to one of the most dangerous moments in, in uh, David's life. And it's recorded in 1 Samuel 21, which gives the background to what happens. And it's why, why he speaks in the psalm, for example, about in verse 4, he talks about his fears at the end of verse 4, and delivered me from all my fears. And verse 6, he speaks of his troubles at the end and saved him out of all of his troubles. David had been forced to flee from Saul, King Saul. Uh, This is obviously before David was king. He was still a young man. He's God's anointed. But Saul had been, he had this insane rage against David. And he tried to kill him more than once. And so David had to flee. And he had to flee very quickly in this situation. And he he was away. He was away from home. He was hungry. He was alone. He was probably penniless. And in his desperation, he fled to the only place where he, he, he felt he would be free from the long arm of Saul, where Saul couldn't reach him. And that was the land of the Philistines. Now, why was that such a risk for David? Well, I'm sure you know the history or some of the history of David. You'll know and remember that he, David had been the Philistines' greatest enemy. He'd been the one who'd killed their champion, Goliath. And as a result of that, the, the armies of the Philistines had been routed and, and many had been killed and they'd been defeated. And uh, it was David who the people of Israel, the women of Israel, sang, Saul has slain his thousands, David has slain his ten thousands. So for David to go into the land of his enemy, this was like from the frying pan into the fire. This was, this was a dangerous place to go to. He must have been desperate. And uh, back in 1 Samuel 21, I just want to read verse 11 and 12. 1 Sam 21, 11 and 12. So we're not told, if you like, the backstory of this. Whether David surrendered to this king of Gath or whether he was caught... But this, this is what we read. So 1 Sam 21, verse 11 and 12. I'll, I'll read from verse 10. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish. I call it Achish. It looks like Achish, but Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Now, when it says David was very much afraid, to be for David to be very much afraid must have taken a lot. If he'd faced Goliath, 
and he'd faced other you know other, we, we know that he faced bears and lions and um, and he, he, he even at this point he must have had experience of fighting he, he, he must have realized he was in a really tight spot it was almost like terror gripped him he knew that this king just with a word, a word could command him to be killed or tortured in those days in that culture they would have gouged their eyes out if they didn't kill them and then enslave them for the rest of their life so there's only one thing that he could do and that's pray and so going back to the psalm psalm 34 and verse 6 it says this poor man me i this poor man cried out and the lord heard him so he, he cried out to god and it seems that in that moment that he cried to god well maybe i'm i'm um, conjecturing, summarizing, yeah. What, what do you say? Surmising. surmising, that's even better. Surmising this, that a, a thought popped into his head that he needed to feign madness. And I'm going to flip, you don't need to turn to this, let me flip back to 1 Samuel um, verse 21. This is what happened. Verse 13. So David he changed his behavior before them, feigned madness in their hands, feigned madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see this man is the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? So David just pretends to be mad and probably rolls on the floor he scratches at the door he, he foams at the mouth he, he, he gives this sounds awful but a performance really so much so that he, he, he convinced the king of Gath and the people that he was literally mad and the king of Gath says why have you brought I've got enough madmen you know back in my, in my country why have you brought this man to me get him out and so they, they took him out. They, they sent him away. And God delivered him. God was deli- David was delivered. He escaped with his life. And in response to that, in this, uh, his, this amazing, miraculous deliverance, uh, David could say in Psalm 34, and I think this is the, the background that I've explained to this verse, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. He felt that God's angels were there, helping him, strengthening him, believe that, and delivers them. And he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Verse 9, oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want, there is no lack to those who fear him. So this psalm and the psalm that David wrote, it's not a, an, like a, a quick psalm. He's not just written a, a quick response of praise. It's, it's actually an acrostic. So each of the verses starts with the, the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so David sat down after this episode in his life and he's thought carefully about it and he's brought together this, this great, lovely psalm of, of thanks and praise for God, for what he's done. And so he can say, or verse 8, or taste and see 
that the Lord is good. It's great when you can say that, isn't it? When you've got personal experience. They say the best form of advertising is a satisfied customer. Someone who can say, you know, that this was good. This was really excellent. This, 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 was, this, this was the best thing since sliced bread. It was great. It was everything. That's a great commendation. A leading businessman once said that half the money of his company spent on advertising was wasted. My trouble, he said, is finding out which half. But there's nothing like personal recommendation, especially from someone you know you, who can be trusted, not somebody who's paid to say it, somebody who's actually experienced it. So how can we taste and see that the Lord is good? What would help us to do that? Well, we need to learn from David. Three simple things that we can learn from this psalm. First of all, he resolved to praise. He resolved to praise. Just go back to the first two verses. I'll just change or put the emphasis on a different word each time. Where he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast. The NIV each time has will. It's an act of the will. I will, I shall. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. It's clear, isn't it? He'd resolved to praise the Lord, whatever his circumstances. So whatever he's going through. He said, I am going to praise God, whatever, I will, I will make my boast in the Lord. James Madison was, a one, time, was one time the president of the USA. And later in life, he suffered many ailments, many sicknesses. And so he took a variety of medicines for them. And one day, a longtime friend sent him a box of vegetable pills, which were his own home remedy. And... He asked to be informed of how they brought relief. Well, James Madison took all the pills, but they had no effect whatsoever. Um, But President Madison was noted for his gracious replies, and this is what he wrote to his friend. He said, he wrote, My dear friend, I thank you very much for the box of pills. I have taken them all, and while I cannot say I am better since taking them, It is quite possible that I might have been worse had I not. That's diplomatic, isn't it? There's a man looking to be grateful and resolving to be grateful. David said, I will bless, I will praise, my soul shall. And it's interesting, isn't it? He said, I will, what does he say? I will bless the Lord at all times. At all times. Continually. You know, this wasn't fair weather praise. Some of you will have heard of Billy Bray, a Cornish miner, born late 1800s and wonderfully saved. And uh, he lived this effervescent life uh, for God. And uh, he was renowned for his praising, praising, praising. It said that Billy Bray, when he was converted, as he walked the roads, he lifted one foot, he would say, hallelujah. And as he lifted the other, he'd say, amen. He just kept on going like that. 
and uh, one an old church officer in his church was dry as dusty. This man, he looked at Billy Bray, and one day he said, Billy Bray, you're always saying praise the Lord or hallelujah. What would you do if God were to shut you up in a barrel? And as quick as a flash, he replied, I'd look for the bunghole and shout glory through it. So, whatever your situation. So if you're in a barrel, remember, <laughs> shout glory through the bunghole. But praise doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen, does it? I mean, it doesn't happen in my life just automatically. I mean, we have to resolve to pray. You know, we, we've all got things, problems to face. We've all got pressures. We've all got mundane things to get on with, jobs to do, children to look after, all sorts of things. Not very nice people to be nice to sometimes. You know, we've got all sorts of things. Things to do. We've got lawns to mow, kids to sort out, bills to pay, responsibilities to carry, meals to cook, lots of things. And we're not always up, sometimes we're down, emotions get on top of us, our moods, we have mood swings, all of those things. We, some of us will have inner battles, probably both of us, emotional, mental, certainly spiritual. So if we praise only when we feel like it, our praise will be very, very sporadic. Paul said, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Which is a wonderful word, isn't it? So it's not just a, a command to me, to you, to praise God always and rejoice always, but actually that's God's will for me to do that. Psalm says, Psalm 33, verse 1, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. That's beautiful to God. Praise from the upright is beautiful. Another Psalm, Psalm 50, verse 23, Whoever, whoever offers praise glorifies me, God says. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. So praise blesses God and it glorifies him. Wesley Jewell says this, prayer and praise are the two wings by which our soul mounts into the heavenlies. If either one is neglected, we fail to mount up with wings as eagles. Prayer and praise. God wants to hear our prayers and our praise. And hear them. I want to encourage you. I encourage myself to, to say our praise. To let others hear that we're thankful and grateful. Not just to internalize it. That, that comes out, doesn't it? Verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually, continually be in my mouth. To, so, we, to speak them. Verse 2. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it. And be glad. So he's, he's not just being thankful, he's actually saying he's thankful. He's actually giving praise in situations. And so verse 3 he says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. So it's not that we're sat together quietly magnifying the Lord. They're actually magnifying the Lord together. It's, it's, it's a joint praising time, time of praise. So let's learn 
to resolve to praise and also to be a praising person and a thankful person in all circumstances. So David resolved to praise. Secondly, he recognized who God is. And that helped him, I think. This was, this was so key. He recognized who God is. In fact, I think that's the basis for much of his praising. Just verse 7. Um, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. So he, he recognized God is everywhere. God's around. He's around all those who love him and fear him. Verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He recognized that God is a good God. His God was good. A God who wanted to bless. Verse 8 at the end. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. He recognized that God was a reliable God. Faithful. Trustworthy. Verse 9 and 10. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no lack to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. So God, he recognized God was a, a God who gave him things, and uh, Jehovah Jireh, he was the God who provided. And he's also a God of mercy, of great mercy. Look at verse 6 again. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him. He, he recognized it. He, 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 had no, he, he didn't deserve God's deliverance. He was a poor man. Poor in spirit, and yet he's, he recognized that God was a God of mercy. So David had this real good attitude. You know, he, di- he didn't want full of himself, didn't come full of his own importance, but he knew he was coming to a merciful God. The story is told of a young soldier in um, Napoleon's army who was caught deserting, and uh, desertion was punishable by death. And so he was sentenced to death. And his mother, the soldier's mother, travelled miles to plead for him on his behalf, for her son, to plead for his life, to be spared. And and through her persistence, she secured an emperor, uh, an interview with the emperor. And she begged for her son's life. In uh, this was the emperor Napoleon. But Emperor Napoleon replied, "No, madam, justice demands the death penalty." And she said, but sir, I don't ask for justice, but I plead for mercy. And the emperor emperor replied, but he doesn't deserve mercy. But sir, cried the mother, if he deserved mercy, it would not be mercy. And the emperor paused and then said, then I will have mercy. That's what mercy is, isn't it? God giving us what we don't deserve gives us lovingly what we do not deserve. If he deserved mercy, he wouldn't be mercy. And we come to a merciful God. Haven't we got much to praise God for? Thank God for. Every day that we come to a merciful God who cleanses, pardons, forgives, welcomes us. God hasn't repaid us according to our sins or treated us as we deserve. Somebody said, don't grumble because you don't have what you want. Be thankful you don't get what you deserve. If I could remember that, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Don't grumble because you don't have what you want. Be thankful you don't get what you deserve. God deals mercifully with us in a gracious way. And then thirdly, and lastly, I'm following the pattern of 
our brother this morning. It's a shorter message. It's really good. Thirdly, he remembered his blessings. He remembered his blessings. What's that hymn? Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. So David, he looked back on his life and he remembered what God had done for him. Verse 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. You know, David knew that his deliverance wasn't down to good luck or fortune and it wasn't down to his acting ability. It was down to God. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me. So he looked back. Verse 6, This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Because even in my troubles, looking back, even in my troubles, God was so faithful and good. It's interesting, isn't it? He didn't say he was free of troubles, but just that God delivered him out of his troubles. Because as Christians, we face all sorts of troubles. A song came to mind in my youth about troubles. Not pack up your troubles, by the best. I'm not that old. You've got your troubles, and I've got mine. It was the fortunes. And uh, it sort of... It sort of Struck a chord in the, the, I don't know, I enjoyed the song. Um, but you've got your troubles, but I've got mine. You know, as though my troubles are very special and just peculiar to me, but they're not, actually. We all have troubles, and often they're, they're common troubles, not uh, just unusual for us. And David had great troubles, but he was able to say, actually, God, did, I, I look back and I see that God's delivered me out of all my troubles. You're here tonight because God's tri- delivered you out of all of your troubles. And so am I. That's why we're here and uh, still here to praise God. In fact, if you look at verse 19, David says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So David was realistic. He knew that the afflictions were great. And uh, he had, uh, when you think about what David faced, he faced stress, he faced troubles, he faced betrayal, he faced a whispering campaign with people who were spreading malicious rumours. He, he, he faced great things. In fact, the whole, there were times when it seemed everybody was against him. And yet he could say, I sought the Lord and he answered me. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. So it's not a testimony to the absence of troubles, but a testimony to the deliverance of God in those troubles and to the presence of God. And so in answer to prayer, David was able to say, my God is a God who hears and answers prayer. And he's answered my prayers. And uh, that helped him. As he looked back, he thanked God and he was able to bless God and keep blessing God in all situations. And so he said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Just uh, tell you this um, story. Yeah, let me tell you the story to finish with Bill Bright. He was the founder of the um, president of and president of Campus Crusade for Christ. And in his book, Worldwide challenge 
he recalls the anger of a Christian friend of his called Jim. And he was angry with God, basically. Um, Ephesians 5, 8 and 18 and 19 speaks about being filled with the Spirit. And then it goes on to say, about talking about giving thanks always for all things unto God. And giving thanks to the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this man Jim, he, he, he responded to that, speaking to Bill Bright. And he said, always give thanks for everything. And he was angry because he said, how can I give thanks to God when my wife is dying of cancer? He said, I would be a fool. And besides, I don't feel thankful. My heart's breaking. I can't stand to see her suffer anymore. And Bill Bright writes, about the same time as this, he received, um, Bill Bright received a phone call from another friend and a fellow staff member who said this. He said, I'm calling to ask for your prayers. Alice, that was his wife, Alice has an inoperable brain tumour. But we are trusting the Lord for a miracle. We're both thanking God. For we know God makes no mistakes and we're ready for whatever happens. And he talks about the, the contrast between those two. Jim, on one hand, was fearful, anxious and bitter. Why does this happen, have to happen to us? How could a loving God allow this, especially a Christian, to suffer such pain and agony? Whereas Bob and Alice, on the other hand, had that testimony of trusting God and giving thanks. And he writes how more than a year passed as this second couple, Bob and Alice, her, her condition grew worse. And they continued to thank God. And this is what Bill Bright wrote. Though there was no, though there was no miraculous healing of Alice's body, God performed a greater miracle as he provided the supernatural resources that enabled Bob and Alice to give powerful testimony to God's love and grace. And shortly before she went to be with the Lord, Bill, Bill, says, Bill Bright says, I visited her in the hospital. As I entered her room, she was smiling. Someone asked her why she was smiling. She replied, oh, she said, the Lord is so good to me. The psalm, David, in verse, let me see where it is, verse 5, says, They looked to him and were radiant. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. And that's hard, isn't it? In the troubles, in the difficulties, to um, keep that heart and mind where we're still saying, Thank you, God. Praise God. I mean, I've never experienced suffering like David's and suffering like that man. No, can't say I have. But still to be able to say, as far as we know, by God's grace, let's keep praising God. Let's keep our eyes on God. Somebody was saying afterwards, after the morning service, when they were going out, how they saw the Koreans, and they, they basically didn't use this word, but they were saying, well, they, they, weren't they radiant? <laughs> the faces shone. And uh, th this verse came to mind, because I've been studying the, 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 the passage. I just said, you know, Psalm... 34 verse 5 says, they looked to him and were radiant. The key is looking to him 
looking to God, keeping our eyes on who God is, what, what he has done for us, keeping our eyes on the Lord and his blessings, praising him, thanking him in every situation. And, be radi- and, and the radiance, you, you don't put that on, do you? It, it comes. It's, 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 um, it means, it literally, the Hebrew, I understand, means lightened. It's uh, gl- almost glowing. It's just a, there's a different quality about that person. So may we resolve to praise God. May we recognize who God is. And we, may we remember his blessings. So I thought we'd finish. Um, we, we have got a hymn and a song. I'd chosen another psalm, <laughs> which, and, and then my, I changed it. And so the, the song might not f- quite fit, but actually it does, because it's talking about holiness, the thought of holiness. And this is about holiness to the Lord. And, and it's all, the holiness is a big umbrella, isn't it, of, of, of a life of praise and blessing. But I thought, we um, could you put the first three verses of Psalm 34 up? Oh, actually, we'll finish with that. So can we do that later? So we'll sing the song first. Sorry. Oh, it's all right. Put it up. So we'll, we'll, we'll sing the song, and then we'll finish with saying those three verses. Okay. Yeah. So we'll uh, say this together, these three verses, and uh, let's make it our resolve, as it were, with God's help, with the Holy Spirit. Okay. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. And may that be true of us this week, tomorrow, today, the rest of the day, and the rest of the week. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.